Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. He's going to praise God in the midst of the church. Now remember, the rest of the story hasn't been written. He just penned this psalm. He just penned it now. He just wrote it in the midst of this situation. It came out of his trial. He didn't see the end when one day he would sit on the throne. He didn't see the day when one day all of the promises would be filled. But by faith, he said, I'm going to praise God in the midst of the sanctuary, in the midst of God's people. Reaching up high with arms open Changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. When difficulties come, the hardships envelop our every moment. We are asked by God to praise Him. How is this even possible? Pastor Ed has an answer for this today. Faith. Faith in Jesus will take our sorrows and turn them into joy. Faith that whatever problem is plaguing us will be lifted by the power of the Holy Spirit. Faith that God will stay with us no matter what. David had this faith, even when all hope of his promised future seemed lost. And his example shows us how to praise God in everything. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, Prophetic Prayer. The text says, why do you boast of evil, you mighty man? Why do you boast all day long, you who are a disgrace in the eyes of God? What David does is he doesn't start off praying to God. Usually the Psalms start off with God. But maybe his emotions are overwhelming him. He walks into his prayer closet and he begins to pray. Now, this mighty man is a reference, I believe, to Saul, not to Doak. Because Saul is called a mighty man. When David laments Saul's death, Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 1, he calls Saul this mighty man. And again and again he's referred to as that mighty man. It refers to a man of strength, of valor, of power. Saul misused and abused his position. He used his power wrongfully to hurt, to harm, to destroy. God will always hold people in account how they use their position of authority. God will bring every person into judgment in how they use that office management position or that position in the classroom or that position in the church. We're all accountable to God. And David begins to pray. Now, Sometimes we feel overwhelmed by the forces above us or around us. But God is the ultimate authority. And David didn't all of a sudden lie down and die. Saul wanted to put him six feet under the earth. But he knew God had a purpose in his life. He knew God had a plan for him. And so David begins to pray. Listen, if we don't learn how to pray prophetically, if we don't learn how to pray, I believe that the enemy will just mow over us. 
Prayer is one of the first lines of defense we have as believers. And there David is. He begins to pray. He doesn't name Saul by name, but I believe he's talking about Saul here. Why do you boast of evil? See, Saul is sitting back saying, what he's doing is right. He's trying to get rid of this revolutionary. He's trying to destroy this traitor. He's trying to get even with this man who is going to somehow divide the kingdom. See, Saul puts his spin on it. Uh, we live in a spin zone. People want to put their spin on their sometimes evil intentions. And they dress it up in good garb, as it were. I was reading a story about uh, two men years ago who were uh, on a ship. One was the captain and one was one of the men on the ship, one of the mates. And one day this mate who very rarely ever drank somehow got drunk and the captain had it in for him and so he wrote down in the log mate drunk today and the mate went to him and pleaded with him and he said please take that out of the log because he knew that it could mean that he would lose his job and the captain refused so it was the mate's turn to keep the log and he wrote in the log captain sober today well, we could put our spin on it. We're to watch very carefully what we say and what we do and how we treat one another. It goes noticed in heaven. Now, he rebukes these empty victories because that's what they are. God will, in the end, weigh every man's life. And some will be found wanting. God will judge every individual. And sometimes what seems like a victory here on earth. And people taunt it as a victory. In eternity it will be seen to be absolutely a defeat. And so David sees through all of this. And it looks like Saul is gaining ground. But Saul doesn't have the favor of God. And that's the bottom line. God's favor on our lives. Now, he rebukes Saul for the methods that he was using. For the methods he used to acquire these empty victories. Your tongue plots destruction. It's like a sharpened razor. You who practice deceit. You love evil rather than good. Falsehood rather than speaking the truth. You love every harmful word, oh, you deceitful tongue. Uh, he uses that word. Your tongue's like a razor. A razor's good to shave with. Don't use it to cut someone's throat with. Words can lift people up and help them. But they also can cut through their heart and destroy them. Be careful what we say. And how we say it. I want to encourage you young people. Be careful how you talk about those around you. Your, your friends and your companions. It's important that we don't just use the gossip mill to destroy the life of any other person. If you don't have anything good to say, just don't say anything. 
Why do you want to take someone else's laundry and put it out? Even if it's true. If God put it under the blood, shut up. Amen. God knows that all of us, if he would reveal the depth of our heart, we would shudder and crawl under the pews. It was Dr. Albert Cantrell, who was a professor at Princeton University. He wanted to conduct an experiment. And so he wanted to see how quick a rumor would spread. He called in six students from the school. And he gave them, he said, this is in strict confidence. I don't want you to tell anyone. He said, the Duke and the Duchess of Windsor are planning to attend a certain university dance here at Princeton. Now, within one week's time, this completely fictitious story spread throughout the whole school. In fact, every student on campus was anticipating this. The town officials called up Princeton. And they were upset, demanding to know why they had not been informed. The press agencies were frantically telephoning for the details. Dr. Cantrell observed... That was a pleasant rumor. A slanderous rumor travels far faster. Someone said, There's a lust in man no charm can tame of loudly publishing his neighbor's shame. Hence, on eagles' wings, immortal scandals fly while virtuous actions are but born and die. Charles Swindoll, in one of his books, wrote had a chapter on misunderstanding. He talks about a young woman who committed suicide. She left an unfinished note, and it simply read, They said. They said. David felt all of the slanders, all of the gossip, that Saul was turning out to destroy Saul. To destroy, rather, David. He felt it keenly. He could have fallen down and they could have had a funeral for him and David could have said, it's all over. But David didn't do that. He prayed prophetically. He said, oh, God, stop them. And he spoke, as it were, in the spirit over that situation. Now, I notice what the text says. It says, they love every harmful word. They love evil. Some people just love sin. They're so deeply entrenched in it that it becomes a sport to them. They actually take delight in spinning those words, in turning those double meanings, and destroying and hurting other people. That's what he's saying. I pray that we'll hate sin and we'll love God. That we'll love those who have a pure mouth. And if someone comes around you and wants to put down someone else, run away. If someone comes and wants to slander another character, listen, don't partake of that. Get away from that table. Don't let that feed your soul. But hear, rather, the voice of God 
and commune with him. Uh, that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to avoid that. Now, David took refuge in this. The psalmist recognized that God's covenant cannot be nullified by this powerful man. There may be powers above you that are bent on destroying you, but it cannot overcome the purposes of God in your life. That's why he said, you who are disgraced in God's eye. In the Hebrew, it gives the indication that, listen, God has a covenant of love, and I'm trusting in that covenant of love. And that's what you and I need to do. Well, quickly, we're going to go to the second point, a prophetic prayer of judgment. I'm so thankful we could come to God and express our fear, anxiety, and stresses. Now, I've gone to God at times, and I've gone in anger at someone else, and then God suddenly changes my heart. Suddenly gives me peace on the inside. And, and maybe you've had that experience too. As you go to God and you're upset about this and that, God sort of calms your soul. But he lets you come with that. Isn't that good? He lets you come with that. Don't vent to your wife. Don't vent so much to your husband. Don't vent to your children. Vent to your God. We ought to bring it to God and let God handle the situation. Now, Notice God's judgment against the unrighteous. Verses 5. Surely God will bring you down to everlasting ruin. He will snatch you up and tear you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. Judgment was certain. God was going to judge them. You can be guaranteed that God watches over his children. He watches over those that love him, those that serve him, and he is certain to vindicate, to protect, to care for them. So judgment would be certain, and judgment would also be complete. Now listen, the scripture says, I'll bring you down. Picture a, a building being leveled, just brought down. I'll snatch you up, tear you up from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. Sometimes one of the greatest trials to believers is the unchecked prosperity of wicked people. It seems like they go on and on and nothing happens. It seems like you pray and pray and nothing happens. But in due time, David would have to wait. David would wait. And one day Saul would be cut off from the land. But I want you to see something. When that happened, David did not rejoice over it. David wept and lamented Saul's death. The Bible tells us not to rejoice even when our enemy is judged. But what the psalm is saying is this, that when judgment comes, we recognize that God meets out justice. We rejoice in that the God we serve is a God of justice. I notice that God's judgments affirm the faith of the righteous. What does it do? In verses 6 to 7, the righteous will see in fear. They will laugh at him saying, here now is the man who did not make God his stronghold, but trusted in his great wealth and grew strong by destroying others. Trust in anything but God is trust misplaced. Trust that Saul placed 
in his wealth, in his army, in his power, would not one day be a refuge for him. One day it would be swept away. People are continually trusting in their own wisdom, their own devices. They're trusting in their own abilities. They're trusting in wealth. They're trusting in all sorts of things. Those things will never keep you. Those things will never secure you. Suddenly they're gone. And what happens? It increases the saints fear of God it says the righteous will see and fear something happens in the heart of the righteous all of a sudden they begin to realize God I'm gonna hold you in awe in reverence because you're a God of your word when we see the judgments of God on this earth we grow in our fear in reverence of God now, I'm grateful that the judgments of God are not wasted on the believer. The unbeliever just sort of passes by. They don't know. They don't have a clue what's happening. But those who walk with God and fear God see his hand in the events of history, in the events of their lives, and they recognize that, and they grow in their reverence and awe of God. And David said, I'm going to fear you, God. Now, something else happens. Their trust is vindicated. They saw God act. And that's why it says they laughed. They will laugh at him saying, Here now is a man who did not make God his stronghold, but trusted in his great wealth and grew strong by destroying others. There are some people who build their lives on the wreckage of other people. They climb up the ladder of success. They climb up the ladder. As they climb up, they just step on one person after another, after another, after another. Well, one day it will all be swept away. One day it all will be gone. One day God will right the wrongs. And that's the confidence that the righteous have. So as a believer, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we don't act like the world. We don't live like the world. David said, I'm going to trust in God. I'm leaving Saul in God's hand. I'm not going to take out the cannons and shoot them back at him. I'm not going to retaliate. Again and again, David has the opportunity to take the sword and to take Saul's life, but he won't do it. Why? Because he fears God and he leaves everything in God's hands. And as a believer, as a Christian, we recognize that vengeance is the Lord's and God will repay. And we leave all of those things in God's hands. Hallelujah. The last point, a prophetic prayer of praise. In verses 8 to 9, but I'm like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. I like the image of the righteous that we have here. He praises for God for the image of the righteous. I'm like that olive tree. An olive tree will live hundreds and even a thousand years. It's a strong, hearty tree. Olives were used for food and oil. They were productive. They would produce a good, healthy olive tree, six gallons of oil per year. He said, I'm like that, right in the house of God. In other words, Saul was chasing David around the countryside. But David said, no, I'm right in the house of God. I'm in communion with God. And I'm flourishing because of my relationship with God. See, what a contrast he's drawing. The wicked are going to be uprooted thrown away 
He said, the righteous are planted and cannot be moved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a promise. God promises us stability, foundations, roots. Now there's a contrast, and we see that contrast, and we see that he's flourishing because of his communion, his fellowship with God, and he praises God for the perspective of the righteous. He says, I'll trust in God's unfailing love forever. I'll praise you forever. He's going to praise God in the midst of the church. Now remember, the rest of the story hasn't been written. He just penned this psalm. He just penned it now. He just wrote it. In the midst of this situation, it came out of his trial. He didn't see the end when one day he would sit on the throne. He didn't see the day when one day all of the promises would be fulfilled. But by faith, he said, I'm going to praise God in the midst of the sanctuary, in the midst of God's people. So maybe he went among his men and he said, let's begin praising the Lord. David, you're crazy. Praising the Lord. Look. Saul's almost caught up with us. Every time we go, he's right behind us. Eventually, he's going to get us. Let's just praise the Lord. Let's just worship God. I'm trusting in his unfailing love. See, David had confidence that God had control of the story, that God was at the end of the story as well as at the beginning of the story, that God would be with him. And we ought to have that confidence as well, that no matter what happens, no matter what comes our way, no matter what you and I go through, that there's a God in heaven who's watching over us, protecting us, caring for us, and though the slander or though the ridicule or though uh, words may be spoken harshly and hardly and cut into your very soul, you'll trust in God. You'll take all of that to God and you'll say, here, God, I bring it to you. I lay it at the feet of the cross. God, you deal with them. Hallelujah. David never means to retaliate. At the very end, of Saul's life he's lamenting someone comes with a report that said I've taken Saul's life David has them executed there was no vengeance no retaliation in his soul somehow the trials and his relationship with God hammered that stuff all out of him Mel Gibson's film, The Passion. In the last scene with Jesus on the cross, captures well Jesus' prayer for his enemies when he said, Father, forgive them. He prayed that prayer several times. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. And as the high priest was walking past after he had ridiculed Jesus and taunted him, the dying thief who had made the confession of faith said in the film, he's praying for you. I don't know that that actually happened, but I do know that it actually happened when Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. Everyone was included. See, God is able to do in us what we could never do in ourselves. David had an allegiance to God 
that gave him the strength to live a supernatural life. We need to have an allegiance to God that will help us to live far above all the things that happen in this world. We ought to have a heart after God. Well, that's all the time we have for today's edition of Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. There's more to come from Pastor Ed's 14-part series in the book of Psalms. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and select today's date from the Building in Faith media player. Again, that's buildinginfaithradio.com. Maybe today's message brought a family member or friend to mind. You can share today's message via Facebook and Twitter by simply logging on to buildinginfaithradio.com and clicking on today's date. There you'll find all the options to share. Now we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for Worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and for more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join Pastor Ed as he continues teaching through the Word of God right here on Building in Faith. Your Word restores.